This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Doing It at Home podcast. Today is a birth story, and it's a part two. So we spoke with Kaylee Johnson last in episode 77 when she was setting some really powerful intentions and visions for her upcoming birth. And today we get to hear the full birth story. So from leaking fluids at 36 weeks, which would just prove to be a trial run and not actual labor, to the time when labor and birth would really arise at 42 weeks and six days, we talk with Kaylee about the challenges of not getting worked up during that time frame and the whole prodromal labor thing and just really trying to enjoy the process. And this is another great story and example for you mamas out there who have experienced in the past the kind of denial that can come up during labor, that you're not in labor, but you are in labor, this phenomenon that can come about. And Kaylee describes how she experienced that, you know, being in labor, but not really thinking it was happening yet. And she brings the awesome perspective of a hospital birth with her first with interventions and Pitocin and what the contractions felt like there to now a home birth without any interventions. And she also shares the differences in her postpartum experiences. And then we round it out with some realness of postpartum life with a newborn and another tiny human running around. So it's a great conversation. So grateful to Kaylee. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy it. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Before we jump into that real quick, have to give a shout out and acknowledgement to our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by The Bloomy, an online community for women where you can find and purchase trusted products, organic 
toxic free intimate care for you, for your yoni, for your vulva all those great things that need love and care because sometimes products out there, you don't know what's in them. You don't know how they're made and they can throw off your pH. They can cause infections. They can sometimes even make you sick. But what the Bloomy is all about is inspiring women to learn about their bodies, uh, share information, connect and grow so that you can ultimately have a healthy lifestyle, a healthy yoni, a healthy vulva and a fulfilling sexual life. And uh, types of products you can peruse there are menstrual cups, uh, intimate cleanser and wipes, reusable um, pads, organic tampons, organic-based lubricants, toys, uh, books, and information on sexual health and sexual wellness. And it's all about vulva hygiene, period, sexual health, empowerment, what is not to love there. So go to thebloomy.com right now, check out what they have there for you. And when you sign up for their newsletter, you receive 25% off your order. So go do that again, thebloomy.com. You can follow them on Instagram at thebloomy, peruse products, learn information, sign up for the newsletter, be a part of this community of women taking control and being the CEOs of their bodies. And I've been able to use a number of their products already, uh, like the intimate cleanser and the wipes. And I got to tell you, it's great to, to have that kind of stuff because Yoni needs attention. Okay. So go do that. So without any further ado, here is Kaylee Johnson, part two, her home birth story. Hey, Kaylee, welcome back to the doing it at home podcast. How are you? Hey, Sarah. Thank you. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm awesome. And I'm really excited to be talking to you again. Uh, bonus. <laughs> so we spoke a while back, it seems like, gosh, like last fall um, in episode 77, talking about setting the intentions for your upcoming home birth plans for baby number two. And for those listening, if you haven't heard that story and kind of the back story to what we're going to be talking about here, definitely go check that out. So that's episode 77. And the title is setting intentions for a pain-free and call home birth with Kaylee Johnson. So go listen to that and then hop back into this. Um, cause we're going to be getting into some birthday details. Why yeah. don't you kind of share a little bit about what coming out of that experience was like, maybe about talking about the intentions for birth and then going into, you know, the final weeks preparing for birthday, what was going on for you and how you were feeling and how the family was doing? Yeah. Um, you know, setting intentions, I think is always like the best thing to do. Mm. Um, I feel like if you, you know, you reach for the stars and, and you try your best and, and I, I think it, it worked out in the long run, but, um, yeah, at the end of my pregnancy, uh, it went really long. I'll just say that. <laughs> but at, at about 36 weeks and four days, um, we had a little bit of a trial run, you can call it. So I, um, in the middle of the night, started like leaking fluid and I kept feeling like I had to go to the bathroom. And um, so I, my midwife had left me amniotic fluid testers. So I tested it and it just popped right up like, yes, this is amniotic fluid. Um, and I was having contractions every four minutes. They were not painful. It was just like a tightening. Um, but I, you know, you hear like when they're four minutes apart, you let everybody know. So I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know, like maybe, maybe not, but you know, your midwife always tells you like better safe than sorry. So just call me, don't feel bad, just do it. So I did. And, um, 
everybody came over and things slowed down once the sun started coming up. Um, there was like road work on my street and it was just a lot of me feeling kind of unsettled and kind of not in my birthing cave, I guess mm. you can say. So I'm not sure if that would have progressed into actual labor, um, if I maybe felt more comfortable, but, um, every, you know, everything works out the way it's supposed to. So that kind of stopped. Um, it dwindled off. They were like, it's okay, just go to bed. And, you know, if anything does pick up again, call us. Um, so that was like still kind of early on, obviously, uh, toward the end of the pregnancy. And so the last, um, it was seven. No, it was, it was about another almost eight weeks of pregnancy, maybe even almost nine, um, after that. So that was a little Whoa. bit, um, yeah. Cause that, yeah. So I gave birth at 42 weeks and six days pregnant. Um, so yeah, it was, <laughs> but it was the way it was supposed to be. Um, and it paid off waiting. Um, so it was, it was a little bit emotional. It was a little bit, uh, just trying to, not work myself up every day because for those like seven weeks too or eight weeks, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at math. I'll just admit it. I can't do it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime in the future it, later. <laughs> yes. At some point I gave birth, uh, but you know, just that in between of being like, okay, I'm having, you know, I, I did have prodromal labor almost every night. So it was kind of like, okay, is this it? Is this it? And then it'd be like, no, it's not. And that just went on for so long. So just trying to not like get myself worked up every day and just kind of go about normal life. Um, and just trying to enjoy my time. And that was one of like the biggest gifts I think that came out of it was that I found myself like stopping to smell the roses a lot more mm. than I would have. Um, you know, because I was like, okay, like this could be my last day with, you know, my daughter being an only child or, you know, this could be the last time that my husband and I get to, you know, go on a date night uh, for a little while. And right. I really found myself like looking around and, and just like really taking it all in a lot more. So that was just like a huge blessing that came out of, you know, this long pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I love how you can look at it like that, you know, as that blessing time, because you had a lot of factors too, to work with, with this kind of limbo state, which can be painful and excruciating, you know, emotionally and mentally for any mom, you know, waiting when's the last blank, you know, insert whatever. And then here you are too. I'm guessing you went past when you delivered with Amelia at this, at that point, at a certain stage in time. So you might be comparing timeframes to a previous pregnancy, uh, you know, the prodromal labor, labor, everything else going on. Uh, I think it's wonderful that you could, and maybe it wasn't in the moment or even immediately after, you know, you felt like it was a blessing, but through the, the practices that you put into place and being intentional with that time frame, you, you can look at it as such. I think that's really powerful and a great example for mamas out there who are dealing with the, the frustration of, you know, when's this, when am I going to give birth? When's a baby going to be here? When is this going to be the last thing that I do without, you know, a first baby or a second or a third? Uh, so I appreciate that you share that part of your process. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Amelia was born at 40 weeks and five days uh, okay. and Levi was 42 and six. So yeah, it's, I'm here to tell you that you do not always go into labor <laughs> sooner with a second. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 
Okay, so you're smelling the roses. Then yes. at what point does prodromal get shift into more real deal? Well, so um, it was 42 and 5, and it was a Sunday, and we went um, to the Yankee Candle Factory around here. Um, it's kind of like a Christmas tradition that I like to do. Um, we did it early this year because I kind of knew, you know, we're going to have a new yeah. baby, and who knows if we'll want to. Yeah, so we went, we walked around and got some lunch, and um then we came home and just hung out for the night and it was really nice. We just like, you know, just hung out normal stuff, but it was fun. And, um, about 10 o'clock, I started feeling a little different. Um, not necessarily crampy or contraction-y, just a little different. Um, and I decided to take a shower cause you know, they tell you, you know, get into water, drink some water and, you know, lay down. And if it goes away, then it's not real. And, you know, like I said, at this point, it had been so many nights of being like, okay, I'm starting to get, you know, crampy and maybe this is it. And I would, you know, bounce on my ball and then I'd pump and then I'd do this and do that and the other thing. And it never led to anything. So at this point, you know, it's so funny to say, obviously, you know, you're going to have your baby, but when it goes that long, you just get into this mind frame of like, maybe it'll never happen. Yeah. <laughs> not to be like, I'm not, not to say like, Oh, I think I'm going to get induced, but you literally just come to accept the fact that you're going to be pregnant forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be the first woman in history to just maintain <laughs> pregnant status forever. And you know, baby yeah. will be doing high school in utero. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're just like, okay, well, what can I do? I'm just going to be pregnant forever. So, um, yeah, I just, I went in the shower and, but I did tell my husband like, this does feel a little bit different, um, but whatever. So we just went to bed and I passed right out, which was good. Um, cause you know, he need that sleep. Um, and so we, I woke up at four eighteen. I don't know why I remember that number. I'm sure everybody does actually. It's a special number. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, that was a contraction that woke me up. Um, so I laid there for a little bit and then four minutes later came another one and then another one. And so I started tracking them at 426. Um, and I was like, okay, they're like coming pretty quick, but, um, I don't know, like, I'll just get up, I'll make some tea and toast and just bounce on my ball and whatever. So, um, but by the time I got out of the bed and like dressed, I was having another one. And then I was like, maybe I should just let my husband know because, you know, I am so far along. Maybe it is going to be quick. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I'm curious. So, I have a quick question. With where yeah. you were at in your pregnancy, were you having conversations with your midwife around what her policy was or what you would do if you went past a certain day, would you have, you know, gone to a backup OB and gotten checked out or, um, tried some more natural induction type of things? What was the plan around there or was there? Sorry about my dog. Um, oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's great that you mentioned that. Um, yeah. So my midwife, I had asked her, you know, in the preliminary, like, meetings with her, like, how far will you let me go? How early right. will you let me deliver? Mm-hmm. Um, and her policy, basically, Massachusetts doesn't really have any laws about it, thankfully. Mm. So her policy is as long as the placenta is healthy, you're healthy, everything looks good, I'll let you go to, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, so I was really grateful for that, because that was a huge 
I guess, intention that I set was to let my pregnancy and my birth be as natural as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was thankful that she was on board with that. Um, awesome. So, yeah, so we got around that time. Um, there was one appointment where she checked his heart rate and my heart rate, um, and he was in a deep sleep. And so his heart rate was low for what he normally had. Um, and, you know, they kind of move them around um, to see if their heart rate will climb. And his kind of spiked up a little bit and then came back down. Mm. Um, so she was like, okay, like I, I'm thinking I want you to go get a non-stress test. Um, um, and then maybe an ultrasound in the morning to check on his placenta. And I thought about it and I prayed about it for a second. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go into the hospital right now. It's nine o'clock at night. I'm going to get a stress test. And if they see anything, anything at all, they're going to induce me because I'm 41 and a half weeks pregnant. And so I thought, okay, like I feel deep in my gut because she said, trust your mother gut, you know. Um, So I was like, I feel, yeah, she, she's awesome about that. Um, So I was thinking, I feel a hundred percent that he is good. I really do. So I'm going to trust that. And we will go for an ultrasound in the morning, but I feel like for right now, a non-stress test is not what I want to do. That's not where I want to be. And I don't feel like that will end well for us. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so we did. We went for an ultrasound in the morning and he looked great. Everything was great. His fluid was great. And looking back on it, I kind of think about it like if you're in a deep sleep and someone shoves you to wake you up, what do you do? You startle. Yeah. You know? And you're, you're, your heart rate is probably going to spike. And then you're <laughs> like, okay, so I'm fine and I'm going to roll over and go back to sleep now. You know, so it kind of just, I think that is something that we have to take into account is that he, babies are little humans. And just think of it that way. Like, that's why his heart rate spiked, you know, and obviously her job is to keep us healthy and safe. And she was recommending things that could keep us healthy and safe. So I'm thankful for to her for that. And I'm also thankful that she gave me the, you know, the go ahead to make the final decision and that she would support me in that. Um, So that was really good. So I did end up with like three extra ultrasounds at the end just because I was so far along to make sure that he was good. And he was. So that that was awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. And I I know we jumped out of time for a second, but I do have one more question as it relates to, you know, how long you went in your pregnancy and the things with the prodromal um, because other mamas might be wondering this, too. So you were leaking some amniotic fluid. What was the kind of process around that? Was it that you didn't lose enough to cause any sort of concern as far as, you know, maintaining enough fluid that you needed in there or, you know, any sort of risk of infection? I know is what people talk about when you lose your your waters completely. But is it just because you were leaking a little bit and, you know, it kind of um, leveled off that you were you were fine? Yeah. So with the amniotic fluid uh tests what they are is a ph level test okay um so if um if any type of ph is off in your in your vagina it it could cause it to show a false positive Mm. or so that's one uh option Mm -hmm. or the other option was that it resealed itself which is actually not uncommon Mm. um i actually just had another friend uh, in church who just had her baby like this week, the same thing happened to her at 36 weeks, her <laughs> water broke and then it resealed itself. 
So kind of crazy. Yeah. Our bodies are amazing. (laughs) It really is. I've actually, we've had a mama on the show. I'll have to look at it and, and cause people are going to be like, I want to hear that an episode where we talked to mama whose bag broke multiple times and it had to be rebroken at different stages in labor. So I'm going to find that. I'm going to include a link to that one in the show notes. My mom brain right now will not, will not come to me as far as which episode it is, but yeah, that's, that's really amazing. Um, okay, cool. So now let's jump back into when you were talking about, you know, birthday is, is arriving. And I think you were talking to DJ, your husband, like maybe we should call the midwife because this could be fast. Who knows? So you were kind of in, in that space. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even going to wake him up, but I kind of just, I guess, intuition. I was just like, yeah, I think you should get up. And he's like, okay, do you want me to fill up the birth tub? And you know, they tell you not to fill it up until you're like, sure. You're like far along. And I was like, yeah, I think so. Like definitely it's just better to have it because I definitely want to give birth in the tub. Um, and, and I will preface by saying that I, in my subconscious, maybe not so subconscious <laughs> was kind of okay with having an unassisted birth. Like I kind of was wondering if I would have preferred it. Um, so when it came down to it and it was like, okay, I know this is going to be quick. Like I have to make a decision right now. Like, what are we going to do? Um, I was like, I could wait and just do it ourselves or I could call her and maybe she'll make it. Um, So, but I did, I decided to call her just because I felt for my first home birth, it might be better for me just to have her there um, for no particular reason. But I just, I just was like, okay, let's call. So we did, we called her and they were both like, okay, like we're on our way because you know, when someone who's that far along tells you they're in labor, they're most likely in labor. Your your odds are pretty high. Um, so they both headed over. Um, and so we called my mother-in-law as well, cause we wanted her to be here. She was here for my first daughter's birth and, um, she's just awesome. And I, she is awesome with my daughter too. So I felt, you know, if my daughter wakes up, she can help out with her. Um, what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So we called my mother-in-law. She got here at like the speed of light. She was over within like five minutes. Um, and so I'm just kind of breathing through in the tub. Um, I just remember like, focusing and breathing. And my husband sat on the coffee table right next to the tub. And he just held my hands like kind of as an anchor. Mm. Um, and that was so awesome because I am a type of person that if I'm in pain or, you know, suffering in any way or just struggling, like I don't like a lot of touch. I don't like a lot of movement sound. I don't, I just like to kind of internalize, but I wanted him right next to me. Um, 
And it was kind of funny because I had this whole like playlist planned out and I had all these scriptures on the wall and I was like, shut the music off and I don't want to look at those scriptures. <laughs> like I didn't even <laughs> like look at anything. <laughs> so in my zone. Um, and yeah, so he just sat next to me and at one point he got up to go in the bedroom and I was like, hi, huh, just out of curiosity, I'm just going to kind of feel in there and see if I can feel his head. And my mother-in-law was sitting at the kitchen table and I was like, oh, I can feel his head. It's like two knuckles in and just nonchalantly. And she's wow. like, oh, um, okay. Uh, do you know where that paper was that like, they don't make it, what we should do? Oh. Like, And I'm like, yeah, it's on the fridge. <laughs> and she's trying to not like freak me out. <laughs> um, so she goes in like is getting that paper and getting all prepared because that's her thing. She's like the mother hen. Um, and then uh, my husband comes back and, my, uh, I feel my water break. Um, and my husband says, Oh, it's, it's Brown. And I was like, Oh, it's Brown. And I'm thinking meconium. And Mm. for all like the research that I've done, I feel like I would have heard like meconium isn't always a big deal. It's not always something to freak out about. Um, but for some reason I just, was thinking in my head, like, oh, no, like, that means hospital transfer. That mm. means he could have problems breathing. Like, um, I, I freaked out for a second. But, you know, I thought to myself, um, I'll get out. I'll uh, stand. I'll, like, put a pad on, see if it's brown. And it was. And I just, I, I said a prayer. I said, okay, God, like, I see this meconium. I know it's in there. You have to take care of him. He's your, he's your son first. And there's nothing I can do. So you got to take care of him. Um and uh, we texted my doula and said, like, she sees meconium. What should we do? And she's like, that is honestly completely normal. Like, I would be surprised if he hadn't pooped by now. Like, how far With along. how far along you were. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I was like, okay, good. And even though, like, everybody else probably knew it wasn't a big deal, like, to me in my head, I was kind of freaking out. And then just for her to be like, totally not a big deal. I was like, oh, like, thank you, God. Like, that's so awesome. Um so that was that was really cool and then so I got back in the tub and just laboring laboring and um pretty quickly I felt contractions move to be like pushy um and I felt like one contraction I felt him like move down um and then the next contraction I felt him move down and I was starting to vocalize by this point and I remember thinking to myself like okay either I am not handling this well at all and I'm not going to be able to do this or like I'm about to have this baby very soon. <laughs> but because <laughs> it was such a short amount of time, I really was thinking like, okay, I am not handling this and I don't know. And But I guess it's just that, you know, your body knows you're fine. So it's not going to let you freak out. Um, and so he moved down um, and then my doula walked in. And she's like, okay, you're doing great. But she could see that like, okay, this girl's about to have this baby any second. Like, where's the midwife at? Um, So she walked in at 645. um, And then I had another contraction that moved him like right down. Like he was right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my midwife walked in at 648, I believe. Um, And so she sees me like about to push this baby out. Um, she knows that there's meconium and it starts to get a little kind of 
chaotic, probably not for anybody else's point of view, but just where I was like so vulnerable, so Mm. about to have this baby, like just needing my silence and how I like that too. Just I like silence, quiet, dark, like just, you know, um, it kind of made me a little panicky for a second where I was like, oh my God, like there's all this noise. Like she's saying it's meconium. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot happening. And I was like, DJ, can you just tell them to be quiet? Please tell them to be quiet. And so she, he did, he said, guys, would you just mind like being a little more quiet? She's just kind of trying to focus. And they were like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So everything quieted down. Um, and the next contraction, um, his head came out. And then the next contraction, his entire body came out and it was the definition of fetal ejection reflex. Like I did not push. Yeah. I did not push in any way, like anything. My body completely pushed him out, Um, which was honestly amazing to feel. I felt like that was like, I was so thankful that I got to experience something so like primal, you know, Mm. Um, it was so cool. Um, yeah, he just came right out. He had a nuchal hand, which means that he was born with his hand and a fist up by his, um, cheek. And he stayed that way for like a month after he was born too. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Um, so I did tear a little bit, but not enough to need stitches. So that was so awesome. That's great. Um, yeah, so it was really good. And, um, he was healthy right away. He was huge. He was nine pounds, two ounces. Um, yeah, he was a big boy, definitely a big boy, and he is continuing to be a big boy. So, um, yeah, so it was awesome. It was so, like, just so mind-blowing to me. That's, like, the only way I can describe it. it was just, like, I, I right after he came out, I just kept saying, like, I can't believe I did this. I cannot believe I did this. I can't believe I did this. Wow. Um, and, yeah, it was just so... I feel like it's just such a blessing to be able to experience like what our bodies were made to do to the full. Um, and, and it, it honestly hurts me when, when mamas don't get to do that. And I, and I honestly pray for everybody that they get to do that once in their life, that they get to experience exactly what our bodies were made to do. Um, and I'm thankful that I got, I got to do that. So, Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, yeah, I remember when you posted about Levi's birth on Instagram, you said the most incredible experience of my life giving birth to this boy. Yeah, it it really was. (laughs) That's the best way to describe it. Uh, So I I have a quick question because it's something we talked about in, in our last conversation as it relates to Pitocin contractions. So what were you able to experience if you, you know, noticed anything big about the difference of experiencing contractions in this labor and the birth without, um, medical, you know, intervention. I mean, I would just say they're not even in the same ballpark Mm. to me. Like, like, like I said, in the last time, it just felt so unnatural. It felt like it was happening to me, not my body doing it. Um, and then this time, like I have to say, um, so I was only in labor for two hours. Mm. Um, and, it only got like super intense to the point where I was like vocalizing and like, um, like kind of like, Oh, can I do this for like the last like 15 minutes, I would say. So, um, and obviously that's not the norm, but I like, so comparing that to like 12 hours of Pitocin labor was just a total difference. And I will say like mentally I was able to lean into the contractions more and just like embrace them and do like, you know, the low moaning, like the mooing and 
um, just like really like, okay, it's coming. Like just give, give yourself over to it and just like, just ride it. Cause it's, it's bringing you your baby. I was able to do that a lot more because I knew that it was something that my body was doing and not an outside influence, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Um, I, and I appreciate that perspective. And I think, you know, a lot of mamas out there who are maybe planning their first home birth after experiencing a hospital birth and after, you know, having some of the, um, you know, medical interventions are, are wondering kind of like what's in store for me or what can, what can I expect? And ultimately, you know, it's so unique to every person's experience, each woman, even from baby to baby, but to hear other people's perspectives on that difference, I think is amazing. And to carry in the theme of that, the kind of difference of the two experiences, were there any big things that jump out to you as far as postpartum healing and recovery, uh, initially from, uh, a hospital birth, you know, with epidural and Pitocin to a, um, unmedicated, you know, no intervention home birth. What was there anything there for you as far as those first few days or weeks? Yeah, um, definitely. You know, with my epidural, I thought like, you know, I got like, and, and I did, like, I was able to walk right away. Um, I got the best of both worlds, really. It numbed me, like, right around the pelvic region. But then I was able to kind of um, walk around right away and everything like that. But I will say, I remember Amelia's, uh, like, immediate postpartum as more of a blur than I do this one. Um, obviously, it's sooner, too. But I feel mm-hmm. like... Um, I feel like just the, just, I felt a little more numbed, um, emotionally even back then. Um, and also, uh, breastfeeding Levi, um, I'm sorry, this doesn't have to do with the epidural, but it does have to do with like a medical intervention. Um, with Amelia, I nursed her with a nipple shield, um, because we were struggling to latch one time and a nurse just kind of was like, here, just use this. And she got stuck on it. Um, and I, the difference in like the hormone releases that I feel the um, weight that he's gaining um, just the, the benefits of breastfeeding are like magnified with Levi compared to how they were with Amelia. Um, And then also, yeah, the epidural um, I felt a lot more numbed mentally and then obviously physically. Um, I mean, I was like up and around right after Levi, like I was able to like just walk right to the bed. Um, I wanted to like kind of get up and make myself a drink, which I know you're not supposed to do, but like I was so like rearing to go. I felt like, <laughs> like I had all this adrenaline, you know, um, that I hadn't had with Amelia. Um, and yeah, I feel like, you know, our bodies are made to um, sustain our babies. And if you think about like back in the caveman days, they did have women around them to help them. That's how they did it. But also like if they were in a survival situation, they would have had to get up and like, you know, just protect their baby or whatever they had Mm -hmm. to do. Um, So I feel like our bodies are in some cases allowed to, to do that. Um, So I definitely did feel a huge difference postpartum um, having the, the medicine and then not for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. And now, you know, a little further out from birth, four months, how is integrating life with two, doubling, going from one to two? Um, how's that been for you? And how have, are there any aspects maybe from your home birth that you've been able to take with you and move into this next phase of mothering? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the, I mean, immediate postpartum was honestly just amazing. Like mm-hmm. my daughter was all over him. Like <laughs> she, she got a little like not possessive, but just like had to have him with her. Like she would sit on the bed with us. I have a couple pictures. They're so sweet. And just be like, baby, baby, and wanted him in her lap and just like loved him so much. Like loved him. And she still does. Um, So it was kind of just like a dream, just like this little love bubble, just like everybody loving on everybody. And it was just awesome. Um, And my mother-in-law like just brought us food. She made me this most amazing omelet right after with like bacon. She made turkey bacon because she knows that I I wanted like healthy food right after. (laughs) She made this like omelet, turkey bacon, so good. And, you know, everyone was just like taking care of us. And um, it was awesome. My husband got to stay home for like a a, a full week where last time he only got to stay home for three days. Mm. Um, So that was great. Um, which I know is like nothing compared to other countries, but Hey, I'll take what I can get. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it was awesome. And then I think right around the, uh, like three week mark when Levi was three weeks old, uh, DJ went back to work and my daughter kind of realized like, okay, hold on. I have to share my mom permanently. Like this kid isn't going away. Right. Um, right. They weren't just coming to stay for a little yeah. bit. And it was cute and fun. Yes. But they're not going back to their exactly. house with their mommy and daddy. <laughs> yes. Like, when are you leaving? Like, let me know. Uh, yeah. So she, I think honestly, the hardest part about this entire thing was her transitional phase. I think she just was kind of like, whoa, like I used to have my mom all to myself and now I have to share her. Um, and she never got angry toward Levi at all. Like she would just kiss on him and love on him, but she just got, um, it was like a mix of like, so clingy, but at the same time, so mad at me and also so like whiny and just like needy. It was just like a, a, like a month and a half of just like, neediness. And it was really hard. I'm not going to lie because I'm trying to deal with, um, you know, having two babies now. And on top of that, um, one of them is constantly freaking out at me. And thankfully Levi is like a very easy baby. Um, meaning he just like fusses when he wants to eat, um, or go to sleep. And so thankfully he was easy because I honestly don't know what I would have done if he was like a more high need baby too. Um, and then she used to nap for two hours every day from 10 to 12. And then right around that time, she started refusing her naps. And that was like, honestly, it felt devastating to me because I was like, I just need those two hours to like regroup and just like refocus and figure out how we're going to get through the rest of the day, to be honest with you, because at that time it is like survival mode. Um, so that was pretty hard, but you know, I, like I said, around six weeks after that, she settled back into her routine. She started napping again. You know, she just got used to the new normal. And so since then it's been honestly really good. Like it's been fun. Um, so yeah, I think the wow. postpartum overall has been great. Yeah. But just that was a little bit of a tough uh transition. <laughs> I get it. I mean, gosh, the word that comes up for me when I think about all of that is resiliency. 
and how everyone in their own unique way in this circumstance is so incredibly resilient. And I think more so than we are used to giving credit for. So Amelia, for instance, she adjusts because, you know, at first it was probably a little jarring. Like, what is this? This is changing up everything I've known to be. And even in her, you know, young space, I think they are so aware and they're so, um, tuned in. And I think a lot of that has to do with how you're showing up too, and how we as parents, as mamas are presenting the situation. Um, so just her resiliency and ability to adapt you in healing your, your physical body, but mentally, emotionally, and also getting used to the, you said two, you know, two needy, tiny humans, Levi kind of feeling out the situation, new to the scene. Okay. Maybe I'll give my mom a little bit of a break in certain areas here because, you know, Amelia's got the stage right now in terms of some of this stuff. I just, I think it's incredible how the dynamics flow and how what you said, you know, something to the extent of it kind of works out the way that it needs to and things fall into place. Um, but even if it is a little dicey there, which I can't even imagine. And, you know, I'm thinking to my future, what it'll be like. Uh, but I just have incredible, um, gratitude for mamas like you who are sharing the real aspects of it. And then, you know, sharing the fact that it is ebb and flow. So some of that time might be a little bit tough, but now for you to say, you know, it's fun and it's, you know, joyful and the love that's there. Uh, I, I love hearing that. So I appreciate you sharing all of that. Yeah. I think it's important that we talk about it because it, uh, actually a huge part of like this postpartum time has been me being just like completely honest with everybody around me because I have a tendency to like put up a wall and just be like, Nope, I'm good. Like I got this. But I think, um, for me and for, you know, my friends, like, I think it's important to be able to say like, no, I'm honestly, I'm struggling right now because I think, um, in, in the, the, in the Christian world, I will say people have a tendency to just like try to put on a happy face sometimes and just be like, no, it's good. Like we got it. We'll just, you know, we'll do this. We're, we're doing good. And, and it's good to be a positive person. You should be a positive person. But when you are dealing with something, it's so healthy to talk about it. And, and what better way to form like meaningful friendships with other women and form like a circle of moms is to be transparent. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important. Ooh, so well said. I won't even add anything to that because that was just so great. <laughs> Kaylee, thank, thank you so much for sharing part of your life with us. I mean, two parts from, you know, when you were pregnant and planning for Levi's birth to now getting to hear the birth story and getting to hear life beyond it and how you've all adapted and created your new, your new normal and stepping into this next phase of, you know, being an awesome mama. It's it's really um, wonderful and magical. So thank you so much for coming again on the Doing It at Home podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It really is an honor. Um, like I mentioned last time, your show was like one of the big catalysts for me to make my decision to have a home birth. So it means a lot to be able to, you know, share that like fruit of it now. Mm, love it. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done... 
why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% data-approved, Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.